Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 42. When kids come to class, we are consistently praising their effort. And something that we really teach in our school is that failure is your friend. A lot of times we notice kids have an experience that can be defeating. And because we replicate that in our school, they have an opportunity to try again and see what it feels like when you overcome a failure. So instead of seeing that as a negative experience, they understand that it's part of success. Hello, and welcome to the Locala Podcast. I am your host and a writer for the Locala Magazine, Taylor Strickland. And today on the couch with me, I have Renee Williams. But before we get to her and her story, I would like to remind everyone that if you like content from us and you would like to see more, please like and subscribe. Hi, Renee. Welcome. Would you tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Renee Williams. I began training in martial arts in 1991. I moved to Florida in 1998, went to the University of Florida. I was a school teacher for a little bit, and I really loved teaching martial arts. And my instructor at the time asked me, have you considered opening your own school? And that seemed like something that I'd really considered a lot when I was a kid training in martial arts, and she really... Um, lit that fire underneath me, and I opened up my school in 2007. So we've been operating the Martial Arts Center since 2007, and we've branched out into after school, and we have a summer camp, and to date we have three locations. Very cool. What drew you to martial arts when you were younger? I think it has to be The Karate Kid. I think it was a blockbuster movie, and I think it had a strong impact on kids at the time for me. I loved the values and the relationship between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, and I went to a parade. Someone did a backflip and handed me a flyer for a martial arts school in High Park, and I called. I set up my own first class when I was 11, and I never stopped. What time period would this have been? 1991. That's when I started. Okay. Was it a little bit intimidating? Because I know when I grew up, even, I think what it was like, the early 2000s, I didn't see a lot of girls in martial arts. So I, it always made me nervous. I always thought of it as more as a boy's sport. I think that's probably true, that it was maybe perceived that way. If you come into our school, it's 50-50. If maybe even 60-40, a lot of our instructors are female. I don't know if I was intimidated My instructors, I have to say, really understood that kids needed to have fun. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up in a school that was really rigid. We trained really hard, but my instructors understood the value of making children feel proud of themselves, and they cheered us on, and they praised us. And I think that was innovative at the time, and it made training a positive experience for me, and I fell in love with it. And when I became an adult... I wanted to recreate that for other children in our community, and specifically, I wanted teenagers to have a place to grow up and have supportive adults around them to help them through those tougher years where they're questioning their place, their worth, who they are, Um, and I think that we've accomplished that. Like, I think we definitely do have a program here in Ocala that helps kids develop confidence and discipline and belief in themselves. Did you ever do martial arts competitively? I did, actually. It's interesting. I did a lot of competing as a teenager. I'm in the tri-state area, so I did a lot of competing in New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, However, when I opened up my own school, it's not something I focus on as much. Um, We 
I think, tend to focus now more on how martial arts can help us in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. How does it help you in your everyday life? When kids come to class, we are consistently praising their effort. And something that we really teach in our school is that failure is your friend. A lot of times we notice kids have an experience that can be defeating. And because we replicate that in our school, they have an opportunity to try again and see what it feels like when you overcome a failure. So instead of seeing that as a negative experience, they understand that it's part of success. And I think that helps them tackle challenges. And the instructors do a great job of pointing out the lessons that we teach and how they translate to their lives outside of the mat. And when you were doing martial arts when you were younger, obviously you said you were a teacher for a while. Did you break during that period? I took a break when I was in college. And then when I got out of college, I started training again while I was teaching. Okay. What were you teaching? I taught history at a school for children who had been uh, displaced from our regular school system. So most of our kids had been expelled due to a felony or referrals. So we focused a lot on behavior at the school, and I think that gave me a lot of insight into working with kids who have all kinds of challenges. Mm -hmm. Do you like more taking on those tough cases, the kids who really could use it? I really believe there's no bad kids. There's mm -hmm. bad behavior, and I think that every behavior is learned. Oftentimes when kids are having behavior that doesn't fall in line with what maybe we want from them, there's a reason behind that. I think that we can help them learn with the right guidance, but I don't know if I look at kids as tough. I, I really like kids a lot, so I always see their strengths the things that other people might find difficult is just the thing that sets them apart. Sometimes I have parents talk to me about their kids not being able to sit in school and focus. And I think that's a little bit misguided, even in society as a whole. Children really aren't meant to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. And I understand that they take breaks and they have recess and PE and so forth. But running, playing, jumping, being curious about their environment, that's really normal. That's not atypical. And I think that it's up to us as teachers and parents to just help guide that in the right direction. How did you deal with that as a teacher? In our school specifically, we used to let the kids run laps before school. So we had kids that a lot of our kids were on medication. So that can make them feel all kinds of ways. You know, we have, as adults, we take medicine for different things and we recognize side effects. So sometimes they would be jittery or sleepy or, um, you know, whatever their effects were from the different things that they were taking, they would go run. Sometimes you just have to give them an outlet. So even kids, like, I remember there was a time a couple years ago where like fidget spinners were really popular because kids just needed more stimulation. A lot of times behavior is because they're understimulated not because they don't want to listen. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to leave teaching for teaching martial arts again? So I opened up my school, and it only took me about two weeks to realize that I couldn't really give equal attention, that I was going to, if I was going to be successful with my martial arts school, that I probably needed to move away from teaching. When did you open the school? Oh, my goodness. It was 2007, and what was really crazy was I borrowed all this money and I opened the school and then like within six months it was the housing market crisis and something that was really 
a blessing for me is that parents will find a way for their children to do the things that they want to do. That was not the thing that they pulled back on. So I was able to make it through that time and the pandemic. So we were able to overcome those challenges that were out of our control. Very nice. And a lot of the students that you see who come into martial arts, is it a mix or is it usually a certain personality type? No, I, I, there's a wide range of children who train in martial arts. You have kids who are excelling in school, who are socially well engaged with their peers, and they are just interested in training in martial arts. We have children who are on the spectrum, who struggle socially, and their parents are looking for them to learn to improve some of those skills. And we have instructors that are really talented at that. We have children whose parents want them to gain confidence and learn self-defense skills because they're finding that they're getting bullied in school. And then there's parents who want their kids to be active. You know, they find that they're just on electronics too much and they want them to be healthy. So there's a wide range of reasons that people train. I, I personally feel that martial arts is for everyone. Everyone can benefit from training, but I would not say that there's one reason that stands out more than the others. How hands-on are you with students? Today, not as much as I once was. Today, I train our instructors and our coaches for our after-school program, and the instructors train the beginning students. Do you have any particular cases that you find memorable? They're all memorable. I love everybody. I, I'll tell you that I think the thing that's really great about today is that the school's been open for almost 16 years. And because social media became prevalent during that time, I'm able to watch the kids grow up. So I've had children train and I've watched them go become doctors and veterinarians and lawyers. And I actually traveled this summer to London and I was able to visit one of my students while I was working on his master's degree on economics so I'm able to keep in touch with everybody. So I think they all mean something to me. I don't know that I forget anybody. It's amazing I'll run into someone and still remember their name. Mm -hmm. And the um, scope of the school, you said there's three locations? Yes, ma'am. But can you explain the belt system a little bit to me? I don't really understand what they mean. So when martial arts first started, and every style has its own progression, they start at white and they end at black. Mm -hmm. We, in our school, we actually don't have black belts. We wear really dark blue. Um, we wear dark blue to remind us that we can always continue to grow. There's always a little more we can improve on ourselves. So it's a reminder that we're not perfect, and it's a continual process of personal development. In our school, we actually have added a lot of belts because the reason that you have the belt progressions is to symbolize what you've learned, but it's also to motivate the students. So we have a class for three to five-year-olds, and we have a variety of white belts. So they don't advance in the color system the way the older students do, but they have like a white belt with an orange stripe, and then they go to white belt with a green stripe. So it's important for them to just feel reinforced. At that point, for a three to five-year-old, I'm not looking for them to defend themselves against other people. I want them to develop core strength. I want them to improve their listening skills, learn how to interact with their friends in class, learn how to give their focus to their teacher, and how to respect their parents and listen the first time. So those are the goals for us in that first class. Then when we go to the next class, which is our six to eight-year-olds, they work through a series of orange and green belts. 
And for them, they are really starting to train more in forms, and we are looking for a little more skill there, still reinforcing those foundational skills that we have for our little ones. And then in our nine and up group, that's where we hold them accountable to a bigger curriculum. They're really training and immersing themselves in martial arts, and that's where they work through the purple, red, and then eventually their midnight blue belt. What is the ultimate goal for them? Because I know in other sports, it's you go to nationals, or if it's dance, you do big professional recitals. And I said you don't really focus on competition so much. So what would be that for them? I think that all parents and students alike have a different end in mind. Mm -hmm. We hope that students will train through their midnight blue belt because we know that that is where you develop tenacity, perseverance, and really even in the last six months, right before they're getting ready to test, we have a uh, dom prep cycle where they're really honing in and practicing together as a team and fine-tuning their skills. And that process is difficult. We up the attendance requirement. For us, our goal is for everyone to get to Midnight Blue Belt because we know that's where we'll have the greatest impact on them. However, we're competing against other activities and daily lives. Parents are busy and not everyone will stay committed that long. So we as instructors understand that we may not have a student forever, but we hope to impact them with lessons that will serve them for the rest of their lives. What is your family's involvement? So I am married mm -hmm. and I have three daughters and two of my family members, so my husband and my oldest daughter are Don members, which is like a black belt. And my middle daughter is a green belt. And my littlest one, she's three, she's a white belt. So she just got started. And sometimes she'll take the class and sometimes she doesn't. And because I have experience with our program, I know that as long as we're going to class and we're being consistent, she will learn to participate fully. That's, Everybody trains. Is that typical? Like the very little ones miss a lot? Yeah, it is really typical because a three and a four-year-old, they don't know how to stay committed to something. And they also need naps and they have a lot of emotions and sometimes they'll be hungry and tired. And not every day is going to be the best class they ever had. As a parent, I know that the consistency is the lesson I want them to learn for all of their lives. If you're going to succeed and have a happy life, you have to be able to consistently eat well. You have to be able to consistently exercise. You have to be able to consistently save money. You have to be consistent about the relationships that you have and give attention to your loved ones and to your parents and to honor your spouse. So there's a lot of areas of our lives that the answer is to be consistent. It's funny. I just actually made a post about that in our group. And I can teach that to my three-year-old today by bringing them to class. And whether she can participate fully or not, I understand the underlying message I'm sending to her. It is not easy for a parent who's new to our school to have the same vision. So it's our job to help them see that. And I think that our instructors do a great job of mentoring parents that way. It's also really amazing on your part. It's a whole martial arts family. Yes, mm -hmm. it is a backbone in our household. Everything that we do, we talk about. There was a period of time in the beginning of the year, my daughter started middle school and it was a different animal. Instead of having, you know, like a, a worksheet or two that came home in a folder that I could clearly see, she had eight different teachers and the work was online and it was her responsibility to manage herself. And she was getting ready to test for her second degree. 
And, you know, we talked about how our life skills that we use in our school related to what she was doing. So we talked about communication. Are you talking to your teachers? Are you talking to us? Are you asking for help if you need it? Are you using your discipline to do what you need to do? Or are you being respectful to your teachers if you're not keeping everything up to par? And because she takes martial arts so seriously, I think that that gave me a lot of influence over her and the way that she was perceiving her schoolwork. And even right now, we still are able to use our life skills to help her make great choices. Was it always a given that your children would do martial arts? I know you mentioned that your husband as well. I think you said, what belt did he have? He, he's a Don member. Okay, a Don member. Yeah, so a black belt. Yeah. Um, yes, it was a given that they would train. I, I never made it five days a week, many hours a day. It's always been, we have class two days a week, and because our instructors are loving and fun, they never felt forced. There were different levels of enthusiasm along the way, but no one's ever said, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't push very hard. And they're able to choose other activities. So they understand that this is important. I understand that this is the foundation that will help them have a beautiful life. And they can do other activities as well. But this is something that we consider mandatory, just like school and the dentist. But I don't know that we've ever had to say it like that. They've always wanted to go to class. I understand. It's like a dedicated sports family. It's the sa- I think it's the same for other people when their kids are involved in these really intense extracurriculars. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. So your husband, how did you meet him? I met my husband at Toastmasters. So I actually, he's my second husband. I was going through divorce, and I knew that it was time for me to try new things and meet new people and learn new skills And I went to Toastmasters, and he was very fun. We have a very similar sense of humor and worldview, and that's where we met. We became really good friends and eventually fell in love and got married. Was he – so he was already into martial arts at the time? Nope. No, no, he sure wasn't. Oh, so it was you. You got him into it. Yes, he started training at our school. And to be honest, I've never been his instructor. He's always trained with the instructors, which is probably great. Like, it's probably easy for him to have instructors that are not his wife. (laughs) That is so cool. He must have been really impressed by you then. I think he is. I think mm-hmm. he is impressed by me, but maybe not just because of martial arts. I think we just have a lot of mutual respect. Yes, hopefully. Now, Toastmasters, for people who may not know what that is, could you explain? Sure. Toastmasters is a public speaking group. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, right? They say that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Like People really have a fear of speaking in public. Because I taught martial arts classes in front of kids and parents, I didn't think that I would have a hard time. But it did take me a little bit of time to get comfortable speaking in front of groups. However, Toastmasters introduced me to so many people, and it gave me so many opportunities that I did not ever knew I wanted to have before participating. So it challenged me, and it helped me grow as an individual. I have to say, not just to pay you a compliment, but you very much have a focus to you. And I don't know if you could attribute that to martial arts. Is that something that people who, for lack of a better term, graduate the program or get to the black belt usually have? I think that when you train in martial arts for a long period of time, that you think about the principles wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So we say, like, you're always wearing an invisible dobok. Um, a dobok is a uniform. So... Being a martial artist doesn't leave when you leave the school. And I think for some people it does. Like I've met martial artists that there's a real conflict between who they are outside of the school and who they are inside of the school. 
But I think the people who have the type of lives where they're really thriving in all areas, it's because you carry the principles outside of the school as well. Very nice. I'm sure that really helps the doctors and uh, economists and <laughs> a lot of high-profile people who will need that going into their careers. Yeah, I think that parents recognize that. We definitely meet children whose parents are focused on where they're going with their education and thereafter. And sometimes I think they train because they want to put it on the resume to set them apart from other children. But I do have students who really will share with me that martial arts made such a difference in their lives because it was different from the other things that they were involved in. One of our one of our students I'm so proud of just got accepted into MIT. So Oh, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. yeah we're very proud of him. He's a stellar young man. It, there's students that I meet that I know they're going to change the world, and I'll get to say, I knew them way back when. Wonderful. And it's a good thing we have social media now because we can connect with them and keep up with what they're doing. I love it. I love seeing everyone grow up. Now, before you mentioned that you made a post in your group, is that like a work group chat or? No. So each of our schools has a group for the parents mm -hmm. to stay up to whatever activities we have going on, what weapons they need to bring that week, and to share our philosophy. Oh, I forgot it involved weaponry that they, they learn with. Yes, mm -hmm. we do train in weapons. What, what kind do they use? In our school, they train in commas, which are like sticks that have like the sickle shape at the end, mm -hmm. bow staffs, which is just a stick, nunchucks, which are the two sticks with the chain in the middle, and sword. And not nunchucks. Not nunchucks. <laughs> I've been corrected before on it. Uh, and you said uh, the uniform is called a dobok. That's what we call them, dobok. What is the origin of the martial arts style that you teach? So we teach a Korean martial art. Okay. And we do use some Korean language in our classes. Mm -hmm. However, it's something we've gotten away from because we realized we were adding a layer of confusion for the students. And it was our goal to build confidence. And it's kind of like kids who are reading if you don't have the vocabulary of the words that you're reading, you don't have the context clues to understand the next thing. So it can create more delays as they develop through different grades. If we're using Korean and students don't quite understand what we're asking, it creates confusion. And it's hard to be confident when you're unsure of yourself. So we're always looking at what we teach, how we teach, and ways to make it consumable and developmentally appropriate for kids. Right. It's also much more accessible, I know, for the little ones. For sure. And also perhaps in this area, because I know um, in Ocala, because we're in the South, we don't have as much awareness of a lot of Asian culture and things like that. You get those on the coasts. Sure. Often. There's definitely cities that have more of that, um, but not Ocala. <laughs> yeah, very true. Are there... Any sort of local um, competitive things people can do with martial arts? I know you say you don't focus on it, but if someone were interested. We host a tournament in our school that for our students to be able to compete with each other. We do that once a year. Once a year, And we also travel uh, sometimes to um, like a sister school that we have down south in Coral Springs. Mm -hmm. um, and we have sometimes we'll compete in Orlando. But again, it's not a big focus for us. Given that you are not just, well, when you were more on the instructor side, that you were not just an instructor, but also a mentor, what's the degree of involvement that that asks of you? Personally, I think that that is maybe the most important job I have today. So when I opened up the school, I taught people martial arts. As the school grew, 
and my family grew, I knew that there had to be other instructors so that I could tend to my family. But for me to give someone a career in martial arts, I had a lot of work to do. I had to understand ways to make the business really successful, and I had to be of value to them. So we do a lot of traveling um, to train in seminars, to work with some of the most educated people in our business. We work with experts in child development, experts in martial arts business, experts in summer camp and after school, because we want to be at the highest level that we can be for our members and for me to be at the highest level for my team. So I read a lot of personal development and a lot of business um, books so that I can always have something to teach so that I can always be of service to those around me. Is that why you were overseas when you got to see the one student who was no, there? No, actually, that was just our family trip. Mm -hmm. We just went for spring break. I think that life is rich and it should have as many experiences as you can. And I did not travel with my parents when I was a kid. So I want my children to have an opportunity to see the world. And to speak to what you were saying about how Ocala is not as diverse, I want my children to have an opportunity to meet people from different places, different language, different culture. Mm -hmm. Despite the um, accessibility threshold that you always have to be mindful of in the schools themselves, is that something that you try to encourage students? What do you mean? To do is to um, be more well-versed in other cultures and things like that. If you work with me closely, mm -hmm. I am always pushing you to leave, to travel, to try new things. Uh, something that's really cool is some of my instructors really wanted to travel when they were younger. And um, they wanted to go to Japan. And they were like on the fence. I think they were nervous to get the tickets. And someone came in to ask about lessons. And we were looking at the tickets. And with his permission, I took his debit card and I booked the air, airplane ticket because... I knew that they would grow from that experience. When you go somewhere else and they speak another language and you have to figure out how to get around and use the subways and eat different foods and see how things work outside of our community, I think that's so enlightening. So I encourage everybody to travel and try new things and go new places and take in as much that the world has to offer as you can. What's the criteria for instructors? How do you choose them? Are you you know, assess someone and determine that, hey, you can mentor the littles, the ones that come in. So we actually just have a process for that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a mutual thing. I don't think that I pick instructors. I think they also have to pick what we do. I think the first part of that is they, we have a leadership program and we have a martial arts center instructor training program. Students participate in that. When they're participating, we can see the type of qualities that we would want in a team member and someone that we think could mentor our students. And the team that is working directly with me, my two instructors, they do a great job of teaching the instructors underneath them. And from there, when they see students who are dedicated on time, treat the students with kindness and compassion, take themselves seriously, they just open doors for themselves. So instructors will offer them a part-time position. And then from there, students who take that seriously can move into a full-time position. I know with any sort of activity, but with martial arts in particular, we spoke about Mr. Miyagi, who yeah. sometimes could be quite harsh. Um, I don't know to what degree you really lay down the law with your students, but is that something that came naturally to you? Or is that something that you do? No. No, it, I think I'm a little bit empathetic and great 
parenting, great teaching, great mentoring is a balance of love and discipline. So I've had to work on being able to be more of a disciplinarian and adhere to whatever the structure is. I'm very compassionate naturally. So that is something that I work on. Something that I think is a strength of mine is I can recognize when there's people around me that are good at something that I'm not. So I think the team around me is very good at that. So they often, they they pick up where you may let things lie. We all are very cohesive. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of synchronicity between all of us. We have different strengths and together we, I think, make the martial arts center what it is today. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most important qualities for a mentor in general, but also a martial artist mentor? I think that a mentor has to care about the mentee's success Mm -hmm. and be able to tell them what they need, not necessarily what they want to hear. And it's important for someone who really wants to grow to be able to hear the tough messages and apply them. Mm -hmm. So I think a great martial arts instructor is able to look inward and ask themselves first. So we have life skills, we teach six of them, respect, discipline, communication, honesty, self-esteem and belief. Everything that we teach, we can answer by asking if we're doing that for ourselves. So if we have negative self-talk, you know, are we respecting ourselves by doing that? If we are thinking about communication, what are we telling ourselves? Are we listening to understand people around us? So I think our great instructors, all the mentors ask themselves first, am I living up to these life skills, looking inward and then outward? I think that's what makes the community in our school great. And I think that's what helps us be great instructors and great mentors. How do you apply those skills to your own life and to your family? It never stops, mm-hmm. I would say. So simply, I really like to have everything. I'm a disciplined person. I want everything put away. I want everything in order. It is challenging to keep up with three children, pets, spouse. So even just like my car, I want my car to be cleaned out and organized. So how much discipline do I apply to maintain that? It's everywhere in my life. There's no separation between the life that I live at home and my business, outside, friends. I try to honor all of that. Even even if I have a conflict with someone, I try to make sure that I'm using my communication skills to understand what they need to tell me and uh, them to understand me completely. Oh, very nice. And if people want to find you personally and find more information out about you and your school in general, where would they do that? I think I'm fairly accessible. Uh, we have Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Renee Williams and on Instagram, uh, I think it's Renee Williams CBO. Our schools are also on social media and Google, the Martial Arts Center. And they can check out our website at the macocala.com. And if they're interested in our after school or summer camp, uh, we have Ocala After School and Ocala's Best Summer Camp.com. Oh, very nice. Thank you so much for coming in here and speaking about your life and your profession with us today, Renee. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. It's been wonderful. And thank you all as well. Once again, 
I am Taylor Strickland, your host and a writer for Locala Magazine. This was Renee Williams, and we will be sure to link all of the things that she mentioned in the description. They were quite a bit, so don't worry, you will find them there. And remember, if you would like to find out more or you would like to read Renee's story, you can get it in the magazine, or you can go to www.localemag.com. Thank you once again for joining us at the Locala Podcast, where we focus on connections through stories. Bye! Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.